What's up, everybody? Welcome to Week 8 Elite Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Adam Stock. I'm the guy behind Elite Fantasy Basketball. If you don't follow me already, you can on Twitter at Adam G. Stock. You got a question, shoot it over. I'll do my best to answer it. We had a 13-game schedule last night, so we've got a ton to talk about. We're going to get into it real soon. December and Christmas gets called the season for giving. Right now, it just seems like the season for giving your teammates COVID. It's unfortunate. We've got a lot of guys in protocol right now. But fortunately, it's also opened up some nice opportunities for some borderline players with fantasy friends games as always this pod's gonna be focusing hard on those borderline players so you know which ones to target and which ones can help take your team up a notch or two without further ado let's get into it we'll start with the Sixers versus the Hornets the Sixers took this one by four behind another big game from Embiid looks like he's back he's been a top 10 per game guy since getting over COVID however I wouldn't value him as a top 10 guy to me he's more of a second round guy due to the injury risk I wouldn't be giving up my low-end First round guy from honestly, I probably hesitate with the top fifteen guy. He still he said he's still not all that close to a hundred percent, and it's really pretty easy to picture him missing another fifteen plus games. I think next year he's got to go in round two because he's really shown zero signs of being able to stay in one piece for extended stretches. Danny Green played twenty six. He had a couple of blocks and a couple of threes. He's a must grab in punt points, and he should probably be on someone's roster in twelve teamers been a borderline top 100 guy this year and you're just not going to find too many guys on the wire who can give you 2.1 threes per game 1.4 steals per game and 0.8 blocks per game like Danny can uh Thibault had another quiet game he played 21 but only had one steal the minutes have actually been fine lately for Matisse he's just had a string of bad games if you're rolling I try to hold on in one league where I'm about to be seven and one I'm holding but if I was out of the playoff uh race I'm wouldn't it be against sending him to the wire? I think you're probably going to regret that because there's just not many guys out there who can give you two steals and 1.2 blocks. But we are getting kind of far into the season, so you don't want to fall too far behind. Um, if he does get rolling again, he's definitely going to be a pickup everywhere, not just for what he can do on the defensive end, but because of the Phillies' playoff schedule. In some setups, they have a 4-4-4 playoff schedule, and since Thibel is so good in steals and blocks, he could be a guy who swings those categories and swings your matchups. He's definitely going to be someone you'll want on your team during the fantasy playoffs. Drummond had 8-5 and 2 steals and a block. Been a little quiet since MB came back, but you can't even think about dropping him. He's going to get plenty of more starts this year, and he's been somewhat useful when Embiid is healthy. Also, due to that playoff schedule that I just brought up, he has the potential to be a difference maker when it matters the most. On the Hornets side, Hayward led the way with 31. He's a boring fantasy player, but that's a good thing. We love boring fantasy. He's probably not going to be a top 40 guy this year with so much of the younger guys stepping up and Rozier really turning it around, but he should be around the top 60. Given his ADP, that means you're probably going to end up being pretty happy with that pick. Uber had 22 on 22 shots. The efficiency wasn't pretty, but his usage and minutes are just so high right now that he should end up giving you about 20 a night with plenty of threes until LaMelo and Rozier are back. I would try to use this stretch to sell for a long-term top 100 player. Ubre is probably not going to be that, probably just be low end once the Hornets get healthy. Plays a bunch of minutes when he's hot, but on nights when he's not hot, he can get into the low 20s range. I bet Ubre probably settles in as maybe a top 130-ish guy on the year once everybody's back. Cody Martin had three steals, two threes, and 12 points in 43 minutes. He's having a real nice year. He's a must-grab until the backcourt is healthy, even in shallower settings. Once the backcourt is healthy, though, he'll be more of a 14-teamer, a nice 12-team streamer for steals. Nothing else too interesting was going on with the Hornets last night. P.J. Washington was quiet, but he's a must-roster until Plumlee is back. 
The Cavaliers' dream season continued in a big way last night. They crushed a shorthanded Bulls team. Mobley went insane and dropped 16 on 8 for 11 shooting with 9 boards, 2 steals, and 5 blocks. He's a second-round pick next year, and I value him as a third-rounder this year. He might end up ranked slightly lower than that on a per-game basis, but since there's no rest risk here, I value him above his per-game numbers. There are just a lot of injury-prone players in the early rounds and, and rest risk as well, so I'd value Mobley slightly above where he's ranked. Garland also had an awesome game with 24-6 and six with three threes. Garland managers should be thanking their lucky stars as Sexton went down. Before the injury, he was averaging about 15-6 and six and was heading towards a forgettable top 90-ish season. Since then, he's been a top 50-ish guy, averaging about 21-7. and seven. His usage rate has jumped about 8 points since Sexton went down. Should be a top 50, top 60-ish guy the rest of the way in 9-cat. The big jump in value is mostly due to the jump in touches, so I think most of it is sustainable. Okoro did nothing, played big minutes, did nothing. That's not really a surprise. He's not even a deep league guy. Markinen had another quiet game. He's had a so-so couple of weeks after a monster stretch, but I'd still value him as a clear top 100 player. His role is extremely safe, and he's on a borderline playoff team, which we love, since he'll be playing big minutes all the way until the end of the year. I'd actually consider buying low in punt field goal percentage. He can be real nice in that build, not just from a value standpoint, but that build just loves his rebounds. Rubio had 11 and 9. He's been a little quiet lately, but he should be on a punt field goal percentage roster in 12 teamers. In 10 teamers, he's more of a borderline guy. Might just be a streamer there. Not necessarily a must hold outside of punt field goal percentage either. Osman had two threes, three steals, and two blocks. The defensive numbers were a fluke, but he's a nice 14 team ad for his points and threes. In 12 teamers, he's a streamer. Love had 11 and 5 with three triples. He's an elite streamer in 12 teamers for his points. Rebounds, threes, and free throw percentage impact. I don't mind holding him, but I wouldn't hesitate to send him packing if a hot free agent popped up. The Cavs are definitely one of the biggest surprises in fantasy this year. Kind of must-watch TV, too. It's a fun team to watch. Weird lineup. Exciting rookie. Garland breaking out. Just a lot to like. Seven of their top eight guys are fantasy relevant, so even if you don't really care to watch their games, watch it for the fantasy impact. Not many teams can match that. The Bulls are getting smoked by COVID and injuries, and that's opened up some big minutes for low-end players. Lonzo, Levine, and Vooch are going to begin big minutes and usage rate boosts until DeMar is back. Not much to say with those guys. They're all playing pretty close to their ADPs. Vooch's line looks different than predicted, but the overall value has been there. I think he'll keep rising in the rankings too because his percentage at the rim is freakishly low. He's not going to continue to finish at the rim like a point guard for the rest of the year. You probably can't get a huge deal on him, but maybe a small one if his manager is inexperienced. If you have Vooch, just hold hold tight. Things will get better, even though they've been fine. Ayo Dosumu played 34 last night and did absolutely nothing. He put up a Isaac Okoro type of line. Dosumu is a horrendous per minute player, so I don't view him as more of a super deep league guy, even in a big role. I'm talking 18 team leagues. Maybe he can be low end there. He's just not a very useful streamer either in shallower leagues than that because he doesn't produce standout numbers in any category. Derek Jones would be interesting for his defensive stats, but he's got COVID now. Troy Brown is the next man up and would be worth considering if it wasn't for the Bulls' upcoming schedule. I passed for now since the Bulls only play once over the next five days. Keep an eye on him, but the Bulls will probably start getting some guys back when their schedule starts heating up again. Next up is the Wizards versus the Pistons. This one went to OT with the Wiz pulling it out. Kuzma was the hero for the Wiz. He had 26 and hit the game winner. Also added four threes, seven boards, and four dimes. He's a real nice points league guy where his ugly percentages don't matter. He's been a borderline top 100 player over the last month in 9-cat, but that probably won't last because Hachimura is going to be back at some point. 
Kuz is going to slip eventually, but it's hard to call him a sell high because that implies that someone might be willing to buy high on Kuzma. That's probably not happening. Float him out there, see what happens, but I doubt you get any bites. I would just enjoy the ride and cross your fingers. Didn't wait. He had 12, 6, and 7 with two threes. I'd try to move him using that pretty nice line. He's just a 13th man in 12-team leagues. But due to his dimes, he's going to get overrated by a lot of managers. If you can get a top 100-ish guy for him, that's a steal. I doubt he trends up as the year goes on. His steal rate is a little low, but his free throw percentage impact is likely going to come down and cancel out any improvement in his steal rate. It would not be surprising to me at all if Dinwiddie finished outside of the top 150 in 9-cat this year. KCP had 13 points, 3 threes, and a steal. He's a must-grab at this point in 12-teamers. He's been a borderline top 100 player this year and has given his managers 2.13s per game and 1.3 steals per game. Anyone who's putting up numbers like that should be rostered. You pair him with a friendly build like punt assists or punt blocks, and all of a sudden we're talking about a top 80 guy. Gafford continues to crush it. He had six blocks. Thomas Bryant might be back in January, but for now, I'm not making any moves based off of his return. Harrell is a better offensive center than... Bryant and Gafford is a significantly better defender than either of the other two center options. So to me, it feels like Bryant is likely going to be the odd man out. That could change, but for now, I would work under that assumption. Cade had another nice game for the Pistons. He had 21-4-3 with two steals and a three. I think at this point, the buy low window is closed. At least you shouldn't be selling Cade if you have him. The field goal percentage is going to be a problem all year, which makes him a little iffy in Roto, but in head-to-head, Pun field goal percentage, especially in ACAT, he's looking like someone who will end up as a mid-round player over the second half of the year, maybe even before that. Beef Stew continues to play well and reward managers who were patient. He had a double-double with a steal and a block and shot five for six from the field. That was his fourth mid-round line in a row. We're not out of the woods yet, but the trend is very positive. There's still a very good chance that he ends up as a mid-round player in friendly builds like pun assists or pun threes, which is where you likely put him if you're an EFB subscriber. Uh, Killian Hayes did nothing. He's improved a little bit this year. He's had some surprisingly nice scoring games lately, but in fantasy, he's just a steal streamer. Bay's just a 13th man in punt field goal percentage and a drop everywhere else. Even in punt field goal percentage, he's not a must. He's been real bad this year, even though the opportunity has been there. He hasn't even been a top 100 player in punt field goal percentage this season. I'm sure he's not going to shoot 35% all year, but his upside isn't high enough to make him worth holding through some of these real ugly stretches. The Warriors-Blazers is our next game. The Warriors didn't play all that well, but they still took it by 10. Really, only Poole and Otto played well. I like Poole a lot, but he's definitely sell high. Really nice player, but it's just hard to see how Clay doesn't take at least a small bite out of his value. Poole's been a top 60 guy this year, so I'd aim for a top 80-ish guy. I just doubt you can do better than that since Clay's return is going to have some guys spooked. Maybe in a less competitive league, maybe in a league with beginners, you might be able to like squeak out like a top 60-ish guy for him, but I doubt it. Wiggins is a bit of a sell high as well, even though he's playing so-so. I don't think he'll take a huge hit with Clay, but there will be some kind of impact. I try to move him for a long-term top 100 guy. Otto had 15 points, 6 boards, and 4 threes last night in 26 minutes. The minutes are great to see, but we know they won't stick. Things will also get real dicey once Clay is back. Porter should be viewed as just a streamer in 12 and 14 team leagues. In 16 team leagues, he can be held, but just until Thompson is back. No CJ or Dame for the Blazers, so Dennis Smith Jr. got another start. It sounds like Dame could be back on Sunday, but if he's not, Smith is a must stream. His career arc, at least from a fantasy standpoint, has been kind of funny, pretty wild. When he was getting huge minutes in Dallas in his first couple of seasons, he was an absolute disaster on a permanent basis, one of the least productive players in the league. Now that he doesn't get much run, it's turned into the opposite. He's actually really productive on a permanent basis, especially in dimes and steals. He gives you a handful of dimes. 
and elite steals anytime he plays good minutes. He's producing 6.6 assists per 36 this year and 2.8 steals per 36 this year. So anytime he starts, you're going to get close to five or six dimes and two steals. Norm had 26 points without much else. If you have Norm, hope for a speedy recovery from Dame. Powell has been real inefficient since Lillard went down and has dropped him out of the top 100 after he was a mid-round guy early in the year. Powell's a really nice player, really nice scorer, but he's going to struggle if he's a team's first or second option. He's a bit of a buy low as a recent downturn is just due to some cold shooting. I try to get him for a top 100 or even a top 90 guy. I bet he'll be a mid-round player in friendly builds for sure eventually. Nas Little started and had 18 and 6 with two threes. Unfortunately, went 6 for 10 from the line. Little is worth streaming with CJ likely out for a bit if you need boards that come with low end threes and blocks. When CJ is healthy, Little is just a 16 team league option. Nance's minutes have ticked up recently, but he's really not doing much. He's been much less productive on a permanent basis than he has been in the past. Always worth a watch, but for now, he's just a low end 16 team league guy. I've been a huge Nance fan in prior years, but right now, he's on way, way too many rosters. The Nets tried to get cute with Houston last night and it burnt them. They sat both KD and LMA and the Rockets ended up taking it by 10. Garrison Matthews had another nice game with 19 points, three threes, three steals, and one block. The defensive numbers are a fluke, but the scoring numbers are not. Matthews is an elite points and three streamer until KPJ and Green are back. Armani Brooks is also worth considering for points and threes in deeper settings until the Rockets get healthy. He had 14 points and three threes last night. It's been up and down, so definitely grab Matthews first if he's available. Shen Goon only played 14 minutes and was quiet. He remains just a luxury stash. I still love his second half, half outlook, but if you were out of the playoffs, I'd drop and try to make up ground. Josh Christopher had the best game of his career. He had 18 with four threes and two steals on seven for seven shooting. You can ignore this for now. The rookie is just someone to keep in mind for later, maybe in March, despite the Rockets having a bunch of guys out. Christopher played only four and six minutes in the team's last two games. With KD and LMA out, the next box score doesn't mean much. Claxon started, but he only played 16. Just a streamer for now, even in deep leagues. His minutes will likely be stuck in the mid-teens, and he's just not good enough on a permanent basis to do anything too useful with that little run. We'll probably need around 26-plus minutes per game to be a 12-team guy, and that's just not happening. He'll probably give you five boards, one block, and decent field goal percentage impact. That might be okay in 16-team leagues, but even there, he's just low end. James Johnson started, but it only played 19. Johnson is solid in 16-team leagues. Been playing more than that most nights, and he can help in boards and blocks while giving you low-end numbers elsewhere. DeAndre Bembry started as well. He's just a boards and steals streamer. Cam Thomas played 32 and dropped 18. I would ignore that line as well. I can't see him getting consistent big minutes on a team this good. He's been playing minutes in the teens recently, and that feels like a ceiling unless a couple more guys go down. Even in a big role, he's been fair. He'll be fairly useless. He's got a reputation for being a scorer and a shooter, but that hasn't really played out on the year. He's actually only producing 1.03s per 36. Bruce Brown played 20 minutes and had three steals. Brown has been back in the rotation lately, but his minutes have been in the teens most nights, so he's just a watch even in deeper leagues. The Pacers absolutely annihilated the Knicks, but their starters still played their normal minutes. Duarte played 30, and it was outstanding. He had 23 points on 9 for 11 shooting, 2 threes, 6 assists, and 1 steal. I'm not sure that I buy that a blow-up is imminent, as the Pacers, as an organization, have never really tanked. Tanking makes sense in a lot of scenarios, but small market market teams tend to be a little more hesitant to rev up the tank. However, I do buy that there could be at least one somewhat big move, and I do buy that they want to give Duarte a bigger role. I can Consider the rookie 
only a low-end option for now, but I would grab him just to see where it goes. He could end up being a pretty nice piece in friendly builds like Pun Assist. If the Pacers do decide to blow it up, then Brissett and Gogo would be guys to watch in addition to Duarte. Brissett had an extended mid-round stretch last year, and while he hasn't been as productive this season, at least on a per-minute basis, his game remains fantasy friendly. I'm not stashing in deeper leagues, but he could be someone that we have to run to at some point. Goga isn't in the rotation right now and would likely only be a backup unless the Pacers moved both bigs, which doesn't seem likely, but you should keep an eye on him as he could be a monster source of blocks in even a mid-teens role. The big man is producing 2.5 blocks per 36 this year and produced 3.9 blocks per 36 last year. R.J. Barrett had his second real nice game in a row. He had 19 points, three triples, and three assists. He's a nice points league option, but in category leagues, he's just a borderline 14-team player who is only somewhat useful in friendly builds. Barrett has only been a top 200-ish player this year, so there's not really any reason for him to be on a roster in 12-team leagues. He should be looked at as just a point streamer. Fournier played 22 and was cold again. He's just a streamer in 12-team leagues and not really that reliable of one these days. I'm sure it'll be a clear standard league ad again at some point this year because Thibs is probably not done tweaking his rotation, but who knows when that could be. That could be in two weeks. That could be in March. The minutes haven't been there consistently enough for Fournier to be more than a top 150-ish guy lately. Noel was out, but Mitch Robb still came off the bench, which suggests that Mitch Robb off the bench is going to be a thing going forward. Still must hold in all category leagues for his blocks and field goal percentage impact. In points leagues, he's pretty borderline. He's been elite in both categories, and his swats have actually been trending up. He should still end up as a clear top 100 guy in 9-cat in friendly builds. Might not get there overall, but in friendly builds like punt free throw percentage, punt threes, and punt assists, he should be pretty valuable. If you need blocks, he's not a bad trade target because he'll come dirt cheap. Quickly had 11 off the bench with a couple of dimes, a couple of steals, and a three. His minutes have jumped since the Kemba benching, but his production has only jumped slightly. He's not a must-hold in 12-teamers. In 14-teamers, he should be rostered, though. Rose was quiet with 8-7, and seven, but remains a must-hold in 12-teamers. Been a borderline top 100 player this year. He's one of the few low-end players who can help a lot in free throw percentage. That tends to be a category that you can't really find on the wire. So I'm always hesitant to drop guys who help a lot in that category. Our seventh game of the day is the Clippers versus Celtics. The Clips took this by basket despite Paul George sitting out. Batum was back for the Clips, but he only played 14 minutes. Despite the low run, I'd grab him in standard leagues. He was producing top 65 numbers before getting COVID. Some guys struggle after getting COVID, but his upside makes him worth holding through a few rough early games. He could get real, real nasty in friendly builds like punt points. The big start to the year isn't really a fluke. He was posting mid-round numbers last year before he picked up a concussion. That kind of ruined his season. Marcus Morris had 20 with two threes, but I'm not running to him. He's more of a deep league guy to me because he's points, threes, and nothing else. And guys like that can always be found on the wire. It's a good chance that Batum hurts him as well. Maybe takes away a couple of minutes. And when, when you're as mediocre as Morris, you can't afford to lose a couple minutes. Terrence Mann started with Paul George out in a 10-10. and 10. Just a rebound streamer. He's not helping anywhere else at this point. Hasn't even been a top 200 guy over last month. Serge Ibaka didn't play last night, which suggests that he's still not ready to go. Drop him, but watch him. Zubak played 31 and could be looking at minutes in the mid-20s for the next little bit. I'd be trying to sell high. You probably can't get too much for him. But he may work as a sweetener in a bigger deal. There's just not a lot of quality bigs this year, so someone might be interested. Luke Kennard at 15 with four threes. He's reasonable as a hold in 14-team leagues, but he's just low-end. In 12-team leagues, he's just a points and three streamer. BJ Boston went crazy with 27 points, five threes, and four steals. Looks super impressive, passed the eye test, made some real big plays down the stretch. He's someone to watch as he's been a top 55 permanent player this year. But when Paul George is healthy, he's just not going to play that much. I wouldn't overreact to this line. 
No Jalen Brown on the Celtics side, so Schroeder played 38 and had 19 and 8. I'd be selling ASAP. I would not wait. Try to get a top 100 player for him. Once he goes back to the bench, he'll be just a top 150-ish guy. As a starter, he's averaging 20 points and 5 dimes and playing 36 minutes. As a reserve, he's playing 29 minutes and averaging only 13 points and 4.5 assists. That's a huge difference. Josh Richardson also had a nice game with 17 points, 3 triples, and a steal. My reaction to that line is, who cares Richardson is just a borderline top 200 player this year and isn't doing anything useful besides providing you with about average threes, 1.5 threes a night. That's the easiest category to find on the wire, so we can just ignore him. Miami Richardson is never coming back. That's it in terms of interesting lines. The Celtics' main pieces are pretty predictable these days. Horford looks like a top 40-ish guy. Tatum's shot is starting to fall. He's been a top 15 guy lately. Smart continues to roll. Could be a top 40 guy in punt field goal percentage, maybe even top 30. That might be a little stretch, but he's gone there before. And then Time Lord looks like a mid-round guy who is going to make his managers nervous all year long. Our eighth game of the day is the Maz versus the Grizz. Thanks for sticking with me. Crazy busy day, but I like it because it allows us to touch on 90% of the league. The Mavs took this one by eight. Luka had a messy game, which has been the norm this year. He had 26, eight, and seven. That line looks nice until he sees nine turnovers. I'd value him as a top 25-ish guy in head-to-head. I'm not going to have him too close to the first round next year. I've, I've given him a lot of leash. I, I've, I've never been a guy to have like Luka top five, but I've had him like 13 and stuff, which kind of goes against my drafting philosophy. But given his upside, it's always been tempting to put him there. But I think just since we've seen these like not even top 25 finishes a couple years in a row, and like before that he topped out as a top 25 nine cat guy i don't think we can really consider him in the first unless he improves significantly as the year goes on there really haven't been any signs that he's showing up the holes in his line in nine cat roto he's just a top 45 ish guy points league he's elite as hell he can be top five there but he's just not made for category leagues dorian finney smith had a rough game no threes or steals this time but I'd hold or pick him up in 12-teamers. He's been doing some good work on the boards from deep and in steals lately. Over the last two weeks, he's been a top 75 player who has averaged 10 points, 2.3 threes, about four rebounds, three assists, and 1.6 steals. That's a great roto line, and his well-rounded contributions make him a solid add for really any punting build. Jalen Brunson had 10-7, and but didn't do much else. He slowed down a good amount. He was a top 100 guy earlier in the year, but he's really only been like a top 150 guy later. I'd still place him slightly above the streaming line in standard leagues, but it's possible that he becomes expendable soon. I'm just not there yet. Kidd continues to play around with his big man rotation. Kleba only got 17 minutes last night. He's a drop, but you want to watch him. If he starts playing 30 again, it'll be a pickup. That could happen as none of the rotation changes have really worked for the Mavs. Tyus Jones only had five points for the Grizz, but he did have eight dimes and two steals. He's great if you need assists and swipes. If you don't, he's going to be useless. As a starter, Jones has averaged 7.5 assists per game and 1.5 steals per game, and really nothing else. Should be on a 12-team roster, but it doesn't have to be yours. Brooks was a must-hold with Ja out, but now that he's in protocol and not against dropping him, he doesn't have much upside. He's probably not going to be a top 100 guy this year. Could get there in punt field goal percentage, but he's going to settle in as just a low-end guy. So if you need the extra games, you don't have an IL spot available, feel free to kick him to the curb. Bain has been real nice, but I consider selling high there. He's got a nice opportunity ahead of him with Morant out. He's been a top 65 guy, so you might be able to get a top 80-ish guy for him. I don't think I'd give up a top 80-ish guy for Bain, but I would try it. That would likely end up as a big win. It'd probably settle in as just a maybe top 120-ish guy once everyone is healthy, if that ever happens. Steven Adams has been a little better lately. He had nine boards and two steals last night. 
but he's just a 13th man for punt free throw percentage teams. I wouldn't consider him in any other build. Melton had a nice game with 13 points, three triples, five boards, three assists, and two steals. He's a pickup in 12 teamers with Brooks now in COVID protocol. Once Brooks is back, it'll be more of a borderline play. It seems like Jenkins just wants to keep his minutes in the low 20s this year, unfortunately. The Heat picked up a real nice win over the Bucks with Jimmy out. Caleb Martin came out of nowhere for a 28-8-3 line with six triples. That line is obviously a fluke, but Martin has scored in double digits in five of his last six games, and he's been in the 1.5 threes per game range lately. Not a bad streamer until Jimmy is back, but not someone to drop anyone decent for because he has zero value in the Heat are somewhat healthy. Lowry had an inefficient 22-13 and 13 with four threes. He's chugging along as a mid-round guy. His points have been a little lower than expected, but everything else is in line with expectations. Should end up as a solid pick at his ADP if he can stay in one piece. P.J. Tucker absolutely exploded for 15 points. Seven bo- <laughs> sorry, seven boards and eight assists as well, though. He also had two steals and two threes. That's a real nice line, but he's averaged only six, four, and 2.5 over the last two weeks, so I wouldn't really react to that. It's just a forgettable boards and steel streamer, even with the heat down some bodies. Duncan Robinson was very quiet with two threes and only six points. He got a bump the last time Jimmy was out, so he's worth watching. But for now, I wouldn't view him as more than a streamer in 12-team leagues or even in 14-team leagues. Robinson has only been a top 180 player this year, and he continues to struggle with his shot. Just can't hit that 40% mark. Denman only played 13 minutes, had two points, nine rebounds, one turnover, and zero other stats. He's had a couple of decent games since he moved into the starting lineup, but he's best viewed as a streamer. He's not the guy he was a few years ago, and big minutes are not guaranteed, even with Bam out. If you haven't dropped Grayson Allen yet and Yahoo's ownership percentage, uh, suggest that a lot of you haven't. I'm really not sure what you're waiting for. He had eight points, two threes, and not much else last night. He's doing nothing that can't be easily found on the wire these days. He's only been a top 150 player over the last month and has been trending down. He could easily end up as just a top 200 player once DiVincenzo is back, which sounds like it'll be somewhat soon. The time to sell high was a month ago. I've been getting some Middleton questions because he's been struggling a little bit. He's only been a top 75 guy this year. Honestly, I'm not too worried. He's shooting 41.8%. There's no chance that that's sticking. Maybe he doesn't shoot in the high 40s again, but if he can get close to 45%, he'll get close to 20 a night and is probably will probably go back to be flirting with the top 50. That's not amazing if you took him in the third, but it's hardly season under and it's fine if you took him in the fourth. It seems like some of these Olympians are having a bit of a hangover. He should still be better than that in ACAT as well because his value is being dragged down by a 3.1 turnovers per game average. That is well above what he normally does. That number feels like a lock to come down eventually. Uh, Usually he's in about the 2.5 range. Portis had another big game with 18-7 and with plenty of extras. Should be valued as a mid-round player with Lopez out indefinitely. Pat Connington played 31, but he only had 6 points, 1-3, and 2 steals. That's unfortunate, but I'd hold him for now. Uh, He's been real good this year, but he's probably going to end up as a drop when DiVincenzo is back. So you should try to sell him if you can, but I doubt you can. No one's sitting around hoping to pay up for Pat Connington. Cousins played 13 minutes off the bench. He was a little quiet. He's just a watch. Maybe an add in 16 team leagues, but he's not a strong one. The Jazz took the hammer to the Wolves. They won 136 to 104. There was some garbage time here, but for the most part, the starters on both sides came close to their normal minutes. Royce O'Neal had nine points, seven assists, six boards, two threes, three steals, and one block. That is an absolute monster of a line. If O'Neal is still available in your league, change that immediately. At this point, he is a must roster. He's not a borderline guy. Double check if he is available right now. He's available in 44% of Yahoo leagues at the moment, so he might be. 
O'Neal has been a top 65 player this year, and he's been trending up too. We got the usual from the rest of the starters, so we don't need to spend too much time on them. Bogdanovich was dicey early on in the year, but he settled in as a borderline top 100 guy. Should stick in that range, maybe top 120, which makes him a must roster in standard leagues, especially since he gives you that hard-to-find free throw percentage impact. Clarkson had six threes and 18 points, but he remains just a end-of-the-bench guy, maybe a 13th man and a streamer in 12-team leagues outside of punt field goal percentage. In that setup, he should be rostered. Ingles is just a threes and assist streamer. Rudy Gay is a nice 16-team league pickup for his points, threes, and boards, but he doesn't have enough upside to be worth holding long-term in shallow leagues. He's an excellent permanent player, but the Jazz are just never going to play in massive minutes. For the Wolves, Vanderbilt had another useful line. It wasn't flashy as usual, but his managers will take the three steals. He needs to be rostered in all leagues. He's not a borderline guy at this point either, just like Royce O'Neal. Over the last month, Vanderbilt has been a top 65 player and has averaged 9.1 rebounds per game, 1.6 steals per game, and 0.9 blocks per game while shooting 55.9% from the floor. Pat Bev came back. He played pretty well, actually. He had 16 points on 8 for 11 shooting in only 23 minutes. We should expect his minutes to eventually get back into the high 20s, maybe even 30 a night. He, too, is a must-grab in all leagues, although his upside isn't really in the middle rounds outside of friendly builds like punting points. However, he is useful in almost every build because he kind of gives you a little bit of everything with some especially strong numbers in boards, assists, and the defensive categories. Beasley had 14 points off the bench. At this point, he's just a forgettable point in three streamer outside of very deep leagues. The minutes have not been consistent even with Russell out. The Pelicans blew a decent-sized lead and then got yokaged in OT. The reigning MVP went crazy late and ended up with 39, 11, and 11. He continues to be absolutely unfair, especially if you paired him with punt threes. That's an elite fantasy basketball special. I'm going to do that plug because that jokage plus punt threes has been absolutely crushing it this year. I know a lot of people default to punt blocks with jokage, but punt threes is a better choice. It's almost broken at this point. If you're in a position to draft jokage next year, make sure you sign up for the site and follow the guide. I guarantee you'll come out with an extremely strong team. Barton at 20 and six with four threes and a couple defensive stats. He's locked in as mid-round guy in all leagues. I would not call him a sell high. He'll be solid all year, and Murray is likely going to be somewhat limited when he comes back around March. Gordon is a must-hold in all leagues, but he's more of a top 120-ish guy. Orlando Gordon just isn't coming back. The usage is just not going to be there with Jokic round. Monte Morris had 11 points, two threes, two dimes, and three steals. Been a nice low-end guy lately. He's fine having 12-team leagues. Not high upside, but he's fine as, say, your 12th man if you need dimes. And don't mind getting just low-end numbers and points, threes, and steals from one of your point guard spots. Uh, Faku had a three, four dimes and a steal. That line is a pretty good approximation of what he's going to give you most nights. He's not flashy, but if you need those three categories, can be useful. It's a nice 14-team league option if you need a strong cats. And anything shallower, he's just a streamer. Bones Highland played 16 minutes. Lots of hype surrounding the rookie, but until we see good minutes, I'm not adding. Even with the Nuggets getting destroyed by injuries, his minutes have topped out in the low 20s. Ingram had one of the more shocking lines of the year. Somehow the forward picked up four steals. You have Ingram this year. You know how crazy that is coming in. Ingram had recorded a total of seven steals in 20 games. Ingram's an obvious buy low, but I wouldn't wait too long. His efficiency has been ticking up lately, and Zion's return will likely help in that department. Zion drawing away the defense should also help his turnover rate. Ingram's sitting at 3.2 turnovers per game, which is significantly higher than last year's 2.5 turnovers per game. I'd be offering top 65 guys for him. Ingram has been a top 90 player up to this point in nine cats, so maybe that will work. In eight cat, bump those recommendations up a couple of rounds because his turnover rate is dragging his value down a couple rounds. 
Josh Hart is back, and if he's still available in your league, scoop him up. He had 6, 8, and 8 last night with a 3 in 42 minutes. I've been on the Hart train all year, not because he's all that good. He's a solid role player, but that's it. I've been hyping him a little bit because the Pelicans just don't have many quality NBA players on their roster, so he has to play huge minutes if they're going to be even somewhat competitive. Herb Jones had a steal and two blocks, which is not a surprise. He's a very nice defensive categories option. Used to win 12 team leagues for what he does on offense, but on defense, excuse me, but not a must grab. Herb also had 19 points and two threes last night. That's not going to happen too often, though. He's very raw on that end, and on the year, he's producing only 9.3 points per 36 and 0.5 threes per 36. Devontae Graham had another mediocre line. He had 12 points, four threes, which was nice, and five dimes, but unfortunately shot four for 13 from the floor. He's a must-hold in 12-team leagues, but only in punt field goal percentage. Graham is only going to be a low-end option outside of that build. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is in a similar situation. He's fine as a 13th man in punt field goal percentage, but as long as he's playing about 24-25 minutes per game, just a 16-team league option outside of that build. The Magic Kings game contained zero defense, which led to some big lines from a whole bunch of players. The Kings dropped 142, with Fox leading the way with 33. Fox has been trending up in a hurry lately and has been a top 50 player over the last couple of weeks. The coaching change has been great for his value. That buy low window has definitely slammed shut. Halliburton had one of the bigger lines of the year with 18 points, 5 threes, 11 dimes, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. It feels like Halliburton has been a little quiet this year because he hasn't scored as much as we had hoped, but he's still been pretty damn good. The sophomore has been a top 49 cap player this year. His game is just so fantasy friendly that he doesn't have to be scoring 16 or 18 a night to be super valuable. He feels like a guy who's going to be year over year top 35-ish guy, but a guy who never actually gets drafted around that range due to his low points per game. I have a feeling that we'll get some real nice value on Halliburton on draft day for the next five or 10 years. Harrison Barnes looked good in his return. He had 16 points, two threes, five boards, three dimes, and a steal. Been a top 50 guy this year, but if I had him on my team, I'd be a little nervous. He hasn't played too many games under Gentry, and it's possible that his role changes a little bit. Fox has been trending up, and more shots for Fox would probably hurt Barnes. I'd try to trade Barnes for a safer mid-round guy. I don't think he's going to fall off of a cliff, but I would bet on some regression given his history. Davion Mitchell played well with 18 points and four dimes in 24 minutes. Mitchell posts decent lines every now and then, especially in the scoring categories, but also a lot of duds, so he's just a 16-team league option. Rashawn Holmes left early after taking a shot to the face. He's going to be out a couple of games at least. None of the backups are more than streamers, with Holmes probably not out too long. Last night, Begley played 24, Tristan Thompson played 21, and Alex Len played 17. As long as they're all splitting minutes, no one's going to be all that useful. Maybe pick them up for some boards, but none of them are good fantasy players anyways. Terrence Davis had another big game despite Barnes being back. That was pretty interesting. I don't trust it at all because he's been playing bad before the recent hot stretch, but I don't mind throwing him to a streaming spot and just seeing where this goes. You never know. I would not be dropping anyone safe for him though. Over his last six, Davis has averaged 16.8 points per game, 2.7 threes per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, and 1.2 steals per game. On the Magic side, Cole Anthony blew up for 33. He's a bit of a sell high because in a month they'll likely be sharing the backcourt with both Suggs and Fultz. That setup is probably going to cost Anthony some minutes. Probably not a lot, but enough to knock him down a couple of rounds, I bet. Cole has been a top 45 player this year, so I had aimed pretty high. Start with a top 60 offer and go from there. Franz Wagner had another really nice line with 19 points, two threes, six boards, four dimes, and one steal while shooting seven for seven from the line. I've been a lot more willing to give Wagner some leash than some of the other 
other rookies because the minutes have been there regardless of how he's been playing. I'm sure there will be plenty of ups and downs since he's a rookie, but it does look like 30 plus minutes is going to be happening the rest of the way. So he's likely going to be a hold all year, even if there's going to be stretches where he's just like a top 150 guy. Wagner has been a top 45 guy over the last two weeks in 33.1 minutes per game. Both Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter are good games. Carter is a top 80-ish guy and Bamba is a top 40 guy. I wouldn't be against selling either guy with John Isaac possibly back at some point. I say possibly because who knows at this point, but I wouldn't be selling at much of a discount. Isaac will likely be limited once he's back and he'll get plenty of rest days. And there is also a pretty good chance he gets hurt again. Isaac has never been able to stay healthy since he entered the league. T. Ross played 35 off the bench and had 17 points and three triples. Ross has been pretty bad this year, so I wouldn't be adding based off this game just stream him for points and threes and keep an eye on him our last game of the day is the thunder versus the raps the thunder took this by one when a raps buzzer beater got reversed Dort and SGA went off for the Thunder. I keep doubting Dort. I've been like, no way he can keep this up, but he just refuses to cool off. He's been a top 55 player over the last month and a top 95 player in the year. Do I trust it? No. And I'd be trying to sell high, but at this point, he's a clear hold in all leagues. I didn't think that was going to happen, but I think I was wrong on Dort, at least for now. Basley had a nice game with 15 and 5 with a 3, 2 steals, and a block. He's fine in punt field goal percentage or punt free throw percentage in 16 team leagues. But all the holes in his line make him just a streamer in other builds or in shallower leagues. Uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl continues to play a bunch and do nothing. He's really trending down. He's a drop even in deeper leagues. Giddy is the only other fantasy relevant guy on the Thunder. He had 13 on 12 shots with an unfortunate five turnovers, but he did have three triples, eight assists, and a block. The rookie is a little overrated in fantasy circles since his best contributions come in the popcorn categories, but he should be on a roster in 12-team leagues. If I had him, I would explore trades, however, just because his value doesn't really match up with his production. Um, in nine cat, he's been only a top 150 ish player up to this point. He actually is ranked slightly outside of the top 150, but there's a decent chance that you could get an actual top 100 player for him at this point due to the hype. So it makes sense to throw him out there on the trade block after his next big game and see if you get some nice offers. You might be surprised at what comes in. The Raptors are our last team of the day right now outside of their center rotation. They are as straightforward as they come in fantasy. Fred's a stud. Siakam's a mid-round player. Should eventually get into the top 40, top 45 maybe. And Barnes is a top 100 player. Trent is the one hard to predict player of the bunch, but for the most part, I'm a believer. I don't think he's going to continue to average 2.0 steals per game with but with how many minutes he's playing, with how many deflections he's getting, I think around 1.7 steals per game is in play, and that could keep him around the top 50 in 9-cat. I expect a little regression, but I won't call him a sell high because I'd be very surprised if you can get fair value for him. He's another guy that I would just hold and hope for the best with. Boucher got a start with OG Birch and Precious out. I know that got a lot of people's attention. He had 11-7 and seven with two blocks in 22 minutes. He's a great stream as long as those threes are out, but... Once even one of them is back, he's likely going to be playing minutes in the mid-teens again where he's useless. Watch him and stream him for now, but don't be dropping anyone reliable for him. And with that, we're done. That was a doozy. We hit 26 of the league's 30 teams. I hope you guys got a lot out of this pod. I know we can't go into super deep detail on every single guy without keeping you here for hours, but you should have a better understanding of where most of the league's fantasy-relevant players are sitting at this point. If you haven't subscribed to the pod already, please do wherever you listen to it. And please tell your friends as well. EFB is mostly an article and projections focused site, but I am trying to grow the pod and your help would be greatly appreciated. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll see you next week.